Welcome everyone to Ecclesia United. My name is Anthony Richardson. I am the founder and the president of Ecclesia United. I want to thank you so much for joining us on this on this fine day. Um, it's been a while since we've been on online. Um, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with us, um, I thank you so much for searching and finding us in your uh, podcast library of choice. I implore you to subscribe to our podcast library um, uh, because there is a plethora of information I think is there that will be beneficial to you and your growth um, in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, we have the express purpose of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ unto all the nations um, um, that they may hear the gospel and uh, come unto Jesus and be saved. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Um, today we're going to, we've, we haven't been on in quite a while. I uh, just want to acknowledge that. Uh, and, and again, to those of you who, who, who do not know us very well, um, we do not have a set agenda in terms of a time uh, or a cadence in which we regularly produce podcasts. Um, installments to our library uh, rather we feel we try to be led by the Holy Spirit to release things in the correct timing in the correct season um, because we believe at those times and those seasons these are the places and times in which individuals uh, align with us and come to know um, who we are um, uh, it's not that we don't have things that we could say um, and, but um, I, I just we just and, and the other thing is we're not scripted. Um, so when we when we when we talk, uh, we, we are uh, we we want to leave ourselves open to the flow of the Holy Spirit uh, as he guides us uh, into all truth and understanding. So um, you may hear me saying um a lot or um, things of that nature uh, as we as we try to follow the flow and the guidance of the Holy Spirit into the revelation and information that he's trying to get to us. Um, so again, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, and welcome back to everyone who is familiar with us. We appreciate your support and you sharing these podcasts with your friends, your family, those you have influence over. Um, so they're exposed to what we are um, releasing uh, in our library. Now, we are going to do quite a bit of reading. This is probably going to be the most reading that I can think of that we have done in all of our installments in this podcast uh, library. There is a ton of information. I want to say this right at the precipice or the start of what we're about to release. Um, we are in a season, uh, if you will, of transition, a season of growth, a season of forward advancement, um, a season of acquisition, um, a season of forward progress um, to obtain and moving into the things um, that God has prepared for us. Uh, and today's installment is going to prepare us for the next phases um, that God is bringing us into. I think it's very, very, very important. We're going to take a lot of time to carefully read through the scriptures because these scriptures that we're going to read today are precursors um, and preparatory scriptures um, to to prepare us 
for where God is taking us to. And I think this is very important because I think, man, through everything that is going on, the overarching theme, uh, the overarching subject, if you will, the overarching message, uh, if you will, that I think that God is attempting to get to the earth, to the earth, <laughs> to the earth, is that we, as a body of breathing and living people, need to turn our full attention to God. Um, there's another. I, I, I don't recall the name of the podcast installment, but it's in our library. Um, but it's it's one of the ones that may lead with um, uh, the name uh, prophetic something in the name. But um, what I, what I'm ultimately getting at is that in that particular installment, we talk a lot about this quest. Uh, for individuals or, or, or the, I should say the quest of individuals trying to get back to what they believe is normal. What is a normal society? What is the normal cadence and flow of everyday life? And typically what that means is it's a life that's full of, you know, maybe going out to eat, hanging out with friends, hanging out and doing a lot of social events and things of that nature. And I'm not um, saying that there's anything wrong with those things. What I am saying is. Hmm. What I am saying is that the. The quest and the push to try to get back to that as 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 a quote unquote normal uh, is an error. Um, that's that's not what I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to understand. Uh, is that is that 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 normal that we thought to be normal will not be normal again. The normal has changed. We're not going back to what it was before what we what what we need to do is turn our attention to God our full attention to God and any quest and any push any vehement pressing to get back to that normal which we thought normal was before will only result in continual variant after variant after variant of the COVID uh, virus um, and so that's something very critical that we have to understand. And, and I th one reason why I believe that is very critical is because of about what we're going to read in the scriptures today. We're going to be in Deuteronomy. We're going to start at chapter 8. And we're going to read all of chapter 8. We're going to read all of chapter 9. We're going to read all of chapter 10. And we're going to read all of chapter 11. Um, and then there would be some points that I'll make along the way. There would be some emphasis for where we are going. Okay. What we're talking about or what's being talked about in Deuteronomy 8 through chapter 8 through chapter 11 is preparatory for Israel as they're moving into the promise, into the promised land. Okay. So, um, this is a lot of reading. This is a lot of reading, y'all. Um, 
but it's such good reading. It is such good reading. And I, I implore you to not only listen to this podcast and call it a day after you have consumed this podcast, but I'm, I'm, I'm imploring you to listen and listen again and listen again and listen again and listen even more and more and more. And in fact, take your own Bible. We're going to be reading from the King James Bible. Take your own Bible and read continually through chapters 8 uh, through 11 and continually read through them and read through them slowly. Don't read through them just to say you read through them and then fall asleep on them, but read through them with focus, with the, with the, with the accuracy and a precision, with a, with a mind that's open to hearing uh, what God is saying to us. Uh, it's very good reading. And so let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. This is Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm reading the King James Version. Uh, I'll probably stop along the way to kind of make some points of emphasis. Um, but our, our major emphasis is going to be in chapter number 11. Uh, it's going to be some great, great information once we get there. Um, and so just listen. Just listen. I want you to pr- just prepare your mind. I want you to listen as if someone is talking to you about a promise that they have given you. And you are about to step into the promise that they have promised you. The person who has promised you is faithful to what they have promised. That is to say that the person who has promised you, you can trust 1000% that they are going to deliver on the promise that they've given you. And this promise that they've given you, they are now, before you enter into the promise that they have given you, and they have promised you, the pro- before you enter into the promise that they have promised you, they are preparing your mind and your heart for how you are to receive this promise and how you are to think about this promise and how you are to process this promise and how are you and how you are to humbly enter into this promise this is excellent reading this is excellent i read this some time back probably i i I don't recall how i got to it but it's probably been about two, three weeks, maybe even longer than that, in which I have been. And I've read these scriptures before, but I haven't hadn't read it with the with the with the with the cadence necessary to see. I believe that God takes us. This is what his word says. He takes us from faith to faith and from glory to glory here a little there a little as we mature as believers in Jesus Christ. He reveals things progressively to us. So although I had read these scriptures in some times past, I think there were some things that maybe even I wasn't even ready for in times past that we are ready for now. And that he's causing me to see these things now. And he's causing for you to see these things now. Uh, and that these things, are, at least as you are being exposed to the scripture as it relates to now in this time and season, it's because God has taken you as well as me somewhere so I want you just to kind of think about what it is 
that the person who is God is saying to us. He has made a promise. He has made a promise. And we are about to enter into that promise. But before we enter into that promise, he wants us to have our hearts and our minds prepared for the promise that he is for sure going to give to us. Okay, now listen, listen. Chapter number eight, Deuteronomy chapter number eight. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land thou shalt remember. I'm sorry, let me, let me go back. I'm going to start off because I, I skipped the line. I skipped the line. These are unscripted, y'all. These are unscripted. So I'm going back because I skipped a line. Okay. You got to hear this. Okay. Let me read it right. <laughs> okay. So chapter number eight, Deuteronomy chapter number eight. This is the, this is God who has made a promise to you and you are about to enter into that promise. He's made a promise to you and he's made a promise to me. And we're about to enter into that promise. But he wants us to prepare our hearts and our minds. So we reposition mentally to possess that which he's given to us. Deuteronomy chapter number eight, starting at verse number one. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do. Now, this is Moses. This is Moses speaking to the children of Israel. Moses is the leader. God is speaking through Moses to the children of Israel about where he what he's promised chapter number eight verse number one all the commandments which i command thee this day shall ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the lord swear unto your fathers verse two and thou shalt remember all the way which the lord thy god led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no this wilderness now this is the children of israel they have come out this reference that he makes to the wilderness is the children of Israel have come out from Egyptian bondage. Remember the commandment that Moses gives to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says that God says to Pharaoh, let his people go, let Israel go, that they may worship him in the wilderness. God gives a commandment to Moses. He sends Moses, he sends Moses into the courts of Pharaoh with, a, with an edict to deliver to Pharaoh. And the edict is, God said, Pharaoh, let Israel go that they may go and worship God in the wilderness. And so this reference here that God is making uh, through Moses that he's led them these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep thy commandments or no, this is the reference to this transition from slavery in Egypt to promise in Canaan, okay? So now he's referencing this 40-year span in between 40 years is, according to the scriptures, is the, is the length of a generation. So a full generation is covered or passes in between Egypt, I'm sorry, 
Israel leaving Egypt, coming through the Red Sea, coming out of the Red Sea, Pharaoh and his army drowning in the Red Sea. Okay, this is where the Passover and baptism and all that stuff comes into picture and to purview. They've, they've left the Red Sea. They're on the other side. On the other side of the Red Sea, they've crossed on dry ground. Remember, Moses stretches forth his rod when, as they're running from Pharaoh. They approach the water, and the water is there. Moses is like, what do we do? God says, what's that in your hand? Mo- stretch forth your hand. God is referring to the staff that's in Moses' hand. Moses' staff, which is also had been used as as a as as a proof to Pharaoh that God was with Moses because remember Moses throws down his staff and becomes a serpent Moses picks up the staff by its hand and becomes it becomes a staff again he does these things in the presence of Pharaoh's magicians and those that were charged to be uh, those lead kind of um, I, I don't want to use the term priestly but those lead kind of spiritual advisors for Pharaoh Moses comes in and Moses's rod eats up their rods because Moses can do what they can do but he can do it better because God is with Moses this is powerful okay so now now I'm I'm on I'm taking a little bit of time to go back over this little bit of history because it's very relevant as we read through these scriptures here because now on the other side after having performed these miracles in the midst of Pharaoh and in the midst of Pharaoh's magicians and his spiritual advisors Moses stands out as the elite because God is with him and God has sent him in to do a specific work and God is with him and God is with you he will cause for you to have miraculous victories and gains because God is with you and he has a purpose that he is playing out okay and he's carrying out through you in our obedience to do what God is telling us to do he will do miraculous things through us for his glory because he is pushing forth his agenda in the earth agenda interesting word agenda means what he is agenda etymologically speaking is what he's driving to do agenda is what someone's driving to do the agenda is what's being driven to do what's being forced and being carried out what is the goal what is the objective that's the agenda etymologically speaking okay so God has an agenda. He sends Moses in to the courts of Pharaoh to execute God's agenda. God's agenda will be performed. This is why I'm saying that you're trying to push and go back to normal, whatever you call normal to be, would, would result in you fighting against God. God's agenda will prevail. It's better for you to to acquiesce and to fall and to humble yourself under God's agenda and do that which God is commanding us to do. He wants us to turn our attention to him. Okay. And now let's get back to the scriptures. Now I, I'm going to start over Romans, um, Romans, uh, Deuteronomy. I, I'm all over the place. I'm thinking about all kind of stuff. Deuteronomy chapter eight. I'm going to start over in verse number one and we're going to read. OK, so verse number one, chapter number eight, all the commandments which I command thee this day. This is God giving a promise. 
who's given a promise to Israel, speaking through the leader, Moses, to the children of Israel about where he's about to take them and preparing their hearts and their minds for where he's about to take them. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember, this is verse 2, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or not. Think about how God has been proving them and testing them, testing their faith. Will you uphold and stand firm to observe to do my commandments or not? He's proven them for 40 years, testing them and trying them, taking them through the wilderness to see before I bring you into this promised land, will you observe to do my word and stay true and faithful to my word and what I'm calling for to be done? That's what God is doing. Verse number three. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know. That he might make thee known that that he might make thee know that man doth not doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years, forty years. They have been traversing through a desert in a wilderness. And God is saying, 40, for 40 years, your raiment, your, that's clothes. Your clothes did not wax old and your shoes did not wear out. For 40 years, God sustains this body of people in a wilderness, in a desert. What a mighty God we serve. And if you don't serve him, I'm imploring you to give your life to him. We're going to give you a moment at the end of this to, make, to, to consider and make the correct choice. But I just want you to know that God is faithful who promised. He is faithful who promised. Thy raiment, this is verse number four, chapter eight, verse number four. Thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to Fear him. Verse 7. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. Look at the abundance and the opulence. Verse number 8. A land of wheat 
and barley, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. Look how lush this land is. A land of olive oil and honey. Verse number nine, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Look at the abundance that's in this land. Verse number nine, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron. There's, there, there is a place, I remember, uh, I think it was, it, was, it was Bishop Jakes preaching in a message. I forget the name of the message. Uh, this is Bishop T.D. Jakes, but I remember him making a declaration in that message. He said, there is an up that never comes down. This, this, this which God has promised to, children, to the children of Israel, ultimately to us, because we are heirs of this same promise that was promised to Israel. This that has been promised to them, we, we are heirs of it. And this is what is being described here. There is an up. There is a land of abundance and prosperity and provision that never comes down where they are in lack and they're in bondage and they're in poverty ever again. Listen to this. Verse number nine, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and whose hills thou mayest dig brass. Look at that. When This is verse 10. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Don't forget the Lord. Verse number 11, beware. Now this is verse number 11 says this. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Verse 12, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up. Don't get lifted up in pride. This is verse number 14. Then thy heart be lifted up and thy and thou Forget the Lord thy God. This is a grave error. I'm interjecting things here, guys. So I'm asking you for you to come back and read these chapters so you can see. But I'm interjecting things for emphasis uh, here. So some things I'm saying is not actually in the text. I'm just providing emphasis. I'm hoping you can hear the difference in that. But I'll read number verse number 14 again. Then thine heart be lifted up. And thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Don't forget the Lord who has brought thee up from the land of bondage out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, where you were forced with harsh labor. You were you were you were treated very harshly, paid nothing and and were caught required to do uh, more with less. 
He's saying, when I take you into this land, don't you forget what I've done. I've delivered you from that place of bondage and I've brought you into a place that is flowing, that is flowing uh, with bread without scarceness. And there's no lacking in stones or iron and, and whose heels you can dig brass. Don't you forget what I've done for you, God is saying to us. Verse number 14, then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein where were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, Listen to that. He's saying you you crossed through a wilderness. Forty years you crossed through a wilderness that had, that had scorpions and drought. There wasn't even any water. He sustained you for 40 years in the wilderness with scorpions who are poisonous. Where there's a drought, there's no water. And you are traversing for 40 years. And he's feeding you manna. This is a powerful God. Verse number 15, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness wherein wherein were fiery serpents. Listen at fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. This is the latter end he's about to take them into. He said, I tested you for 40 years in the wilderness to prove you and to humble you and to do you good. It was good. Listen to this. (laughs) It was good that thou wert thou wert afflicted. It was good. It was good because he's proven you. He's proving us and he's humbling us. And he's doing this so he can do us good in the latter end. And thou say in thine heart, my power. Now listen to this. This is the error. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. That's an error. Verse number 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore. Now listen to this. Listen to this very carefully. I'm going to read. I'm going to go back. Verse number 18. This is still chapter 8. Deuteronomy. Verse number 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, that's his promise, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. Thy fathers, we're going to learn it later, is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, so he's made a promise. He's establishing his covenant. He's made a promise to thy fathers as it is this day. Verse number 19. And it shall be 
if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. As the nation, verse number 20, as the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. That is powerful. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's powerful. He said, You will perish if you forget who it is. Who has done this for you. This is God. Speaking into the children of Israel. Before they enter into the promised land. That he has promised that he would give them. He has made a promise to their fathers. To our fathers. The fathers Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He's made a promise to them. He is making good on his promise to them. And he's warning them. Before you go in. He's warning us too. Before you go in into this up. That never comes down. Before you go into this promised land. That I have promised your fathers to give. Unto your father's children. Which is us. Before you walk into this promised land, I want you to have your hearts and your minds right. And I want you to be humbled up under my mighty hand that I may exalt you in due season. So that you may know that it's nothing of your own that has brought you into this into this place. In fact, I think it's in chapter nine. And we're going to go into this where he goes a little bit deeper into challenging them to see it is not you. And it's nothing you have done, not your righteousness or anything you could ever throw up before God that has blessed you enough to bring you into where he's about to bring you in. He said all that stuff is filthy rags. Your righteousness is as filthy rags It's nothing you have done that has that has that has promised you. This which I am about to give you. I'm doing this because I made a promise to your fathers. And I'm making good on my promises. Because I am faithful who promised. And I make good on my word. Chapter number 9. Listen to this. This is Deuteronomy chapter number 9. Hear, O Israel. Thou art to pass over Jordan this day. To go into position. Jordan is the line of demarcation. Jordan is the point before Canaan. Before the promise. They got to cross through another body of water. To get to the promise. Verse number, Chapter number 9. Verse number 1. Hear O Israel. Thou art to pass over Jordan this day. To go in to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself. Cities great and fenced up to heaven. A people great and tall. The children of the Anakims. Whom thou knowest. And of whom thou hast heard. Now this is, this is, this is, uh, this is prior to this. You read this, I think, in the book of Numbers. The book of Deuteronomy and the book of Numbers is very parallel to each other. I think you'll read about this in the book of, in, in the book of Numbers, where God sends, uh, what, 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 what,
uh, Caleb and Joshua and, and, and 12 others. They're spies in the land. But Caleb and Joshua come back with a good report. The other 10 come back with a bad report and the other 10 are terrified because because at this time, at this at this particular moment that I'm describing, uh, when the spies go into the land, they go into the land of Canaan. It's not yet their time to possess the land, but they go into the land to spy the land and to see and to bring back evidence of the land to the people to help to prepare their hearts and their minds for that which God has promised them that it does surely exist. Here is the evidence of it. Okay, so they are to go into the land, spy the land and bring back good of the land to the people. Now, 10 of those 12 come back with a bad report saying that we can't take over the land because there's giants in the land. There's a reference to the Anakims that is referenced right here that we just read giants in the land and they don't believe they can overcome them. And they said these 10 said we appeared as grasshoppers in our own eyes. We look as grasshoppers in in our own eyes as we compare ourselves to these giants that are in the land okay so they those 10 come back with a report saying that they can't go in and possess this land and god is challenging god is challenging them okay uh, uh about this now two of them joshua and caleb come back and say no wait a minute Hey, let me let me steal the hearts of the people. Hey, y'all, listen, we can take over. This land is a land that floweth with milk and honey. Look at these grapes we have bought back from the land. This is a land. This is a true land. This is our land. And we're going to go in and we're going to possess the land. Now, I want I wanted to I, I pause there to kind of go into that, because what's being referenced here in chapter number nine right here early on is in reference to that little uh, a story that I just relayed to you. Uh, you can research that out in the book of Numbers. Now I'm going to start over in chapter number 9. So with that context we just gave. So you can understand where you're at in the story. Okay. In the scriptures here. Chapter number 9. Hear O Israel. Thou art to pass over Jordan this day. To go in to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself. C cities great and fenced up to heaven. A people great and tall, the children of the Anakims, whom thou knowest, and of whom thou hast heard say, who can stand before the children of Anak? Verse number three, understand therefore this day that the Lord thy God is he which goeth over before thee as a consuming fire. He shall destroy them. And he shall bring them low or he shall bring them down before thy face. So shalt thou drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord hath said unto thee. Verse number four, speak not thou in thine heart. After that, the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee, saying, For my righteousness, the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord doth drive them out from before thee. He's saying, don't get this twisted. It's not your righteousness that's getting you into this land. 
It's because of the wickedness of this nation. And he's going to go on to even clarify a little bit more about this. Uh, but for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. And that and that he may perform the word which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, so he's saying, don't get this twisted. Ain't nothing you've done that has qualified you for this promise that you are about to walk into. This is grace carried out. There's no, this is this the grace is unmerited favor. You did not earn the favor that you're getting. Okay, we, you and me, we did not earn the favor that we're getting. We're simply getting it because two things, because of the wickedness of the nations, God says that he's driving out and because he has made a promise to our fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Verse number six, understand, therefore. That the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess it for thy righteousness. For thou, listen, I look how he's about to set them straight. Just in case they still got, just in case we still got a little inkling of, oh, it's because of what we have done. Now he, God is about to set this thing straight so that it's clear what he is doing. It's not your righteousness. It's not my righteousness. It's because he's made a promise to our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's driving out the wickedness of these nations. Now listen to this. Understand, this is verse number six, chapter number nine, Deuteronomy chapter number nine, verse number six. Understand, therefore, that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess it for thy righteousness, for thou art a stiff-necked people. Now he's going to tell them, now he's going to bring to their remembrance how stiff-necked we are. Verse number seven, remember and forget not how thou provokest the Lord thy God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt until ye came into this place. Is this is 40 years, he's saying, you have been provoking me for 40 years. You have been provoking me, upsetting me for 40 years. Remember, he's saying, verse number seven, remember and forget not how thou provokest the Lord thy God to wrath in the wilderness from that from the day that thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt. That was 40 years ago until ye come unto this place. Ye have been rebellious against the Lord. Also, in Horeb, you provoked the Lord to wrath so that the Lord was angry with you to have destroyed you. Mm, mm, mm. I just got to pause there for a second. I've read this before, guys. Um, what we're about to rock into is you're going to see the spirit of intercession you're going to see the spirit of intercession in full operation because the Lord was rightly about to destroy us. But the spirit of intercession moved in. Watch, watch this. I'm going to go back to uh, uh, I, I, I'm not apologizing because I want to make sure that you get this. 
chapter number 9, verse number 7. Remember and forget not how thou provokest the Lord thy God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt until ye came unto this place. Ye have been rebellious against the Lord. Verse number eight. Also in Horeb ye provoked the Lord to wrath, so that the Lord was angry with you to have destroyed you. Verse number nine. When I was gone up, and this is Moses, when I was gone up into the mount to receive the tables of stone, that's the Ten Commandments, to receive the tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I abode in the mount forty days and forty nights. I neither did eat bread nor drink water. Verse number 10. And the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone written with the finger of God and on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. He's referring to a time when God caused Moses to cause the children of Israel to assemble around the mountain of Mount Horeb. And then they assemble at the bottom. Aaron is left with them at the bottom of the mountain. Aaron is the high priest. He's left with the children of Israel. Moses ascends into the mountain. This mountain is, is, is covered with a great cloud. It's a great tempest. And it's, it's, it's so scary of a sight that children of Israel um, uh, uh, talk about how scared they are. But they, they're there at the bottom of the mountain waiting for Moses to come back. Moses doesn't come back for 40 days. And, Moses, and, and he doesn't come back for 40 days. And there becomes a question out of the camp of Israel saying, what has happened to this Moses? Maybe he is gone. Maybe he's not coming back. Let us make gods after our own. And they took off their earrings. They took off the gold that they had and they made a golden calf they threw a go they go they threw their gold into the fire and they created a golden calf and they began to worship the golden calf that is idol worship Aaron who is the high priest really uh, 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 operating as co-pastor in this particular assembly has allowed for them and did not rebuke the children of Israel for making this idol and and they aren't supposed to make idols okay and, and, and so and so this is all of what is happening here and and in verse number 10 and the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone written with the finger of God and on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly that assembly is at the bottom of the mount in verse number 11 and it came to pass at the end of 40 days and 40 nights that the Lord gave me the two tables of stone even the tables of the covenant verse number 12 and the Lord said unto me arise get thee down quickly from hence for thy people which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt have corrupted themselves they are quickly turned aside out of the way which I commanded them they have made them a molten image. Verse number 13. Furthermore, the Lord spake unto me, saying, I have seen this people and behold, 
Listen to this. It is a stiff-necked people. Verse number 14. Let me alone that I may destroy them. This is God talking. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. And this is where the spirit of intercession is going to come in. Verse number 14. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their, na- thy, their name from under heaven. And I will make of thee a nation mightier and greater than they. Verse number 15. So I turned and came down from the mount. This is Moses. So I turned and came down from the mount and the mount burned with fire. And the two tables of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, verse number 16, and I looked and behold, ye had sinned against the Lord your God and had made you a molten calf. Ye had turned aside quickly out of the way which the Lord had commanded you. Verse number 17. And I took the two tables and cast them out of my two hands and break them before your eyes. In verse number 18. And I fell down before the Lord as at the first 40 days and 40 nights. I did neither eat bread nor drink water because of all your sins, which ye sinned. And he's reminding them of what they have done. So to say that they know it ain't your righteousness. It ain't our righteousness that has brought us, bringing us into this land. He's reminding them what they did. Verse number 18. And I fell down before the Lord as at the first 40 days and 40 nights. I did eat. I did neither eat bread nor drink water because of all your sins, which ye sinned in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Verse number 19. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure wherewith the Lord was wroth against you to destroy you. But the Lord hearkened is the spirit of intercession, but the Lord hearken unto me at that time also. Verse number 20. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him. And I prayed for Aaron. This is the spirit of intercession. And I prayed for Aaron also the same time. And I took your sin, the calf which ye had made and burnt it with fire and stamped it and ground it very small even until it was as small as dust. And I cast the dust thereof into the brook that descended out of the mount and at, and at Taborah and at, at, and at Massah and at Kibaroth, Hattavah, Hat ye provoked the Lord to wrath. Likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and possess the land which I given you, which I have given you, then ye rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God, and ye believed him not, nor hearkened to his voice. Ye have believed ye have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. Verse number 25, thus I fell down before the Lord 40 days and 40 nights as I fell down at the first because the Lord had said he would destroy you. Verse number 26, I prayed therefore unto the Lord and said, O Lord, 
destroy not thy people in thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed through thy greatness, which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember, verse number 27, remember thy servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look not unto the stubbornness of this people, nor to their wickedness, nor to their sin, lest the land whence thou broughtest us out, he's referring to Egypt, say, because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land which he promised them, and because he hateth them, he hath brought them out to slay them in the wilderness. Yet they are thy people and thine inheritance, which thou broughtest out by thy mighty power and by thy stretched out arm. Now read chapter number 10. At that time, verse number one, at that time, the Lord said unto me, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and come up unto me into the mount, and make thee an ark of wood. Sorry, scratching my eye here just a second, just a second, just a second. We're at verse number two, chapter number 10, verse number two. Chapter number 10, verse number two. <laughs> And I will write on the tables the words that were in the first tables, which thou breakest. And thou shalt put them in the ark. Verse number three. And I made an ark of shittim wood and hewed two tables of stone like unto the first. And went up into the mount, having the two tables in mine hand. And he wrote on the two and he wrote on the tables and he wrote on the tables according to the first writing, the Ten Commandments, which the Lord spake unto you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And the Lord gave them unto me. Them is the two tables of stone. And I turned myself and came down from the mount and put the tables in the ark which I had made. And there they be, as the Lord commanded me. Verse number six. And the children of Israel took their journey from Beeroth of the children of Jacan of Moserah. There Aaron died. And there he was buried. And Eleazar his son ministered in the priest's office in his stead. Verse number seven. From thence they journeyed unto Gud-Gadah, and from Gud-Gadah to Jotbeth, a land of rivers of water. Verse number eight. At, the at that time the Lord separated separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord to stand before the Lord to minister unto him and to bless in his name unto this day verse number nine wherefore Levi hath no part nor inheritance with his brethren the Lord is his inheritance according as the Lord thy God promised him verse number 10 and I stayed in the mount according to the first time 
40 days and 40 nights. And the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also. And the Lord would not destroy thee. That's the spirit of intercession. Okay. Verse number 11. And the Lord said unto me, Arise, take thy journey before the, before the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Verse number 12. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And with all thy soul. Verse number 13. To keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God. The earth also with all that therein is. Verse number 15. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people as it is this day. Listen to that. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you and me above all. As it is this day. Verse number 16. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart. And be no more stiff necked. Verse number 17. For the Lord your God is God of gods. And Lord of lords. A great God. A mighty and a terrible. Which regardeth not persons. Nor taketh reward. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow. And loveth the stranger. In giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the stranger. For ye were strangers, it's strangers are sojourners, those that are passing through a land. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. It wasn't a temper. It wasn't a, a, a. It wasn't a permanent place. There were strangers there. They were just passing through. Short time lived. Verse number nineteen. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Verse twenty. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God. Him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. Verse number twenty-one. Twenty-one. He is thy praise, and he is thy God that hath done for thee these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. Verse 22. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with three score and ten persons. That's 70 people. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with three score and ten persons. And now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. He's saying, I've taken you from 70 people sown into the land. And now you are as abundant as the stars of the sky. There is an up. Hallelujah. That never comes down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now for the meat of the matter. Chapter number 11. Verse number one. Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. And know ye this day, for I speak not with your children which have not known and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand. 
and his stretched out arm. Verse number three, and his miracles and his acts, which he did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and and unto all his land. And what he did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses, and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you. God will make the God will drown your enemies. He will make the waters flow over them as they have pursued after you as you're on your way to your promised land. As I'm on my way to my promised land, God will cause for the waters to overflow and drown out our enemies. Hallelujah. How he made the waters of water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you and how the Lord hath destroyed them unto this day. Verse five and what he did unto you in the wilderness until ye came unto this place. Verse number six and what he did unto Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their households and their tents and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. Verse number seven, but your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, which he did. Therefore shall ye keep all the commandments, which I command you this day, that ye may be strong and go in and possess the land, whither ye go to possess it. Verse number nine, And that ye may prolong your days in the land, which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey. For the land whither thou goest in to possess it, it is not as the land of Egypt from which he came out, where thou sowedest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs but the land verse number 11 but the land there's a up that never comes down verse number 11 but the land whither ye go to possess it it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven a land verse number 12 a land which the lord thy god careth for this the land that the lord thy god careth for The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year, even unto the end of the year. And it shall come to pass, it have come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you. Let me go back. Verse number 14. That I will give you the rain of your land in his due season. The first rain and the latter rain. That thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. Verse number 15. And I will send grass into thy fields. Listen to that. This I, I, I was reading that one time before. And I was just thinking about just looking at like a blank field. And then you just kind of look at it like kind of like a domino effect. That God just throws grass. He sends grass. I like the language that's used here. Uh, in verse 
number 15, God says, and I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed, therefore, verse number 16, take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you and he shut up the heaven that there be no rain and that the land yield not her fruit and lest ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Verse number 18. Therefore shall ye lay up these words, these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them your children Speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates, verse number 21, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon the earth. Verse number 24. For it, for if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments. This is the meat of the matter. Verse number 22. For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them. To love the Lord your God. To walk in all his ways. And to cleave unto him. Then will I drive, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Verse number 24. This is the powerful piece of this. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall be your coast, shall your coast be. Verse number 25. There shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that ye shall tread upon. As he hath said unto you. As I was reading that, I started thinking about Psalms 91, where it says, And no evil shall befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall ye see the reward of the wicked. That was in that's Psalms 91. I forget the exact verses, but it's in the book. Uh, but that, that, made, that, that Psalms 91 came to mind when I was reading verse 25 of chapter number 11, Deuteronomy chapter number 11, verse 25. There shall no man be able to stand before you. For the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you 
upon all the land that ye shall tread upon, as he hath said unto you. Verse number 26. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing, verse number 27. A blessing, if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. Verse number 28. And a curse, if you will not obey the commandment of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. Verse number twenty-nine, and it shall come to pass when the Lord thy God has brought thee into in unto the land whither thou goest to possess it that thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Ebal. Verse number 30. Are they not on the other side, Jordan, by the way where the sun goeth down in the land of the Canaanites, which dwelleth in the, in the Champagne over against Gilgal, beside the plains of Moray? Verse number 31. For ye shall pass over Jordan to to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you, and ye shall possess it and dwell therein. Verse number 32, and ye shall observe to do all the statutes and the judgments which I set before you this day. Isn't that good reading? My goodness. My goodness, that is great reading. God has made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's fulfilling his promise to Israel. And he's fulfilling his promise to us. Nothing we have done earns us this. Nothing we can spread before him and say, I deserve this. He's saying, nah, it's the promise I've made. And I'm driving out wicked nations from before you. That's awesome. Now I want to talk about one thing. Verse number 24. Chapter number 11. Verse number 24. I want you to see this and then we'll wrap up. Every place where on the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness and Lebanon from the river, the river Euphrates, even into the uttermost sea, shall be your coast. And when you put your foot on this land, this is what God is saying to us in verse number 25, there shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that ye shall tread upon, as he hath said unto you. Now, I want to break down this word tread, because this is a powerful word. We are going in and we're going to possess the land. And wherever the soles of our feet trod, God has given us the land. He's given us authority over that land and in that land. And he's put the fear of us in throughout that land. Again, he hasn't done this because of anything righteous we've done. Not because of anything we've done. Not because of tithes we paid or offerings we've gave or good deeds we've done. He's none of that stuff qualifies us for this land that we're walking into, the land that flows with milk and honey. None of those things qualifies for this land that flows with milk and honey. The only thing, the only reason we're moving into this land is because God has made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God is faithful who promised. And he says, wherever the soles of your feet tread, 
I've given you the land. Now, this word tread, one aspect of this word means where the, where, the, where you put the, the soles, your, where you put the pressure of the soles of your feet upon the land. Wherever you put the pressure of the soles of your feet upon that land, I've given you that land. Okay? That's one, that's one aspect of tread. Now, this other aspect, super powerful. Etymologically speaking, when you study this word tread, you will see what not only what I just said in terms of putting the pressure upon the foot on a particular place, wherever, the, wherever you place your foot, place the pressure on your foot. He says, I've given you land. The other side of this, okay, the other side of this is that he is, is this other aspect of the word tread, okay? This word tread is what we what is what the English language calls a non-transliteral word. Okay? And what that means is that this the the the, the context tread is a verb. So the context of this verb, this action word, verbs are action words. The context of this action word is one of movement. Okay, but it's this particular type of movement. It's a non-transliteration movement. Okay, a line or, or, or a non-transliteral movement, or or better, it is a non-uniform movement. Now, this is what this is this is where it becomes very very powerful to me because we think uniformity and non-uniformity is best understood from the concept of acceleration. Okay? So so you got to hear this. From the context of acceleration, we're talking about this word tread because it's a non-transliteration or a non uh a non-transliteral word or a non-uniform word. What qualifies something as non-uniform, you actually have to take notice of an object, an object in motion. But you have to make note of this object in motion from a fixed perspective. Now, immediately when I say that, I think about God, who is from a fixed perspective, making an observation. The eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth, search for someone who can show himself strong. So this is what the Bible says. So God is in a fixed location, not moving. He is the Lord our God that changes not. He's not moving. He's not going anywhere. He's God alone, and beside him there is no other. He is in place. He's omnipotent and, om- om- and omniscient. He is God, okay? From his perspective, if you were to take from the perspective of a steel object or from a, or from a fixed position, if you were to observe something in motion and you were to divide, let's say this something in motion is moving, you're observing this thing in motion for exactly one mile. In a linear motion from start to finish, you're making this observation of this object in this linear motion from start to finish and you're observing it for exactly one mile. Let's say at every quarter mile, there's a line of demarcation and you measure the time that it takes for that object to move from its start at the start line 
to a quarter of a mile distance. And let's say that takes it five seconds to move that quarter. Okay. Now you've got a line drawn from your fixed perspective. You're observing this object in motion from this fixed perspective. You've made a line of demarcation. You're going to measure it every quarter of. You're going to measure every quarter of a mile because they're traveling one mile exactly. You're exactly. You're, you're, you're going to make this measurement every quarter of a mile, and you're going to observe how long does it take. So the first motion that it makes or the first movement that it makes it takes it five seconds to move from start to the first quarter now let's say you measure again from the first quarter to the second quarter and it takes them five seconds again it takes that object five seconds again and now let's say you measure from the second second quarter to the third quarter it takes it five seconds again and then you measure from the third quarter to the fourth quarter third quarter to the fourth quarter and it takes it five seconds again that motion the totality of that motion from start to finish with every quarter mile taking it five seconds exactly to accomplish or to cover that distance that motion from a physics or from, from the perspective of motion or from uh, from a physics perspective that motion is considered to be a uniform motion it's a uniform motion because the speed or the variability in speed does not change. It remains uniform or the same every quarter of a mile from start to finish of that full mile. Under that definition, technically speaking, okay, a uniform motion is considered to be a motion where acceleration equals zero. And what that means is that the object from start to finish did neither speed up nor slow down in its movement. It was uniform for the whole time. The word tread that's used in verse number 24, where it said, this is chapter number 11, verse number 24 in Deuteronomy. Every place where on the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. That word tread that is used there is a non-uniform word. It's a non-uniform word. So if in, the, if in a uniform word, acceleration equals zeros, equals zero, then in a non-uniform world, acceleration does not equal zero. So to further understand this concept of, of, of movement, we have to take the word acceleration and break it down a little bit further. It comes from a word which, which is the word accelerate. Okay. Now, accelerate in its generic form is just motion. Okay. Now, you add the prefix ax, A-C-C, accelerate, or D-E-D, accelerate. You add the prefix depending upon the observation of motion across some fixed intervals across some some even intervals from a fixed perspective okay so 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 it's possible that you can accelerate and decelerate okay 
throughout that motion. So let's take that same one mile traversal path of an object move from start to finish. And it takes and it takes uh, and it's going to be one mile and the same every quarter you make a line of demarcation. You take a measurement in every quarter. The first quarter. It takes five seconds. The second quarter, it takes seven seconds. The third quarter, it takes three seconds. The fourth quarter, it takes five seconds. That motion is described as a non-uniform motion because the movement across the continuum of that of that mile uh, mile distance being covered it changed. So it's not uniform. It's non-uniform and therefore by the textbook definition of physics, acceleration does not equal zero or said differently. Acceleration equals a number that is other than zero. OK, now there, it can't go. Acceleration can't go beneath zero. OK, because acceleration in context is a, is a, is a term connoting uh, progress, okay? But what happens is through our traversal, through time, I'm bringing this back to the context of us as humans, moving towards a promise that God has given us. It, as we move across that, t that continuum from start to finish in our lives, or in, 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 for instance, there are times when we're moving fast and there's times when we're moving slow. Okay? But under the definition of acceleration, it if we're moving sometimes fast and we're moving sometimes slow, then technically speaking, we are accelerating. What God is doing in our life is an accelerated movement. We are moving towards a promise that he has given us. And it is an accelerated movement. I wanted for you to understand that because sometimes as we think, especially in these days and times now, we may not be getting out as much. You're sitting sometimes in idle situations. You start thinking, I'm not where I should be or I'm behind the times, or whatever the case may be, whatever it is you're telling yourself. And I'm just trying to tell you that you are on an accelerated path. And you're surely on this accelerated path because sometimes you will move fast and sometimes you will move slow. But the difference and the variableness and the sometimes moving fast and sometimes moving slow means that you are accelerating. We have to get our lexicon right. When I say lexicon, I'm saying the words that we talk to ourselves with or just words that we understand. We have to understand those words from the etymological roots and from the structure of their origin and meaning, not the dichotomous definition that gets ascribed to them as time goes on and man tries to put their flavor on the word, on words. But God is saying you are on an accelerated path. Okay. And that should give you hope. About where God is taking us. He is going to do it. Because he is faithful who promised. 
But there are some of you who are listening that you haven't given your life fully over to Jesus Christ. And if you haven't given your life fully over to Jesus Christ, you're not eligible for this land where the river soles your feet trod or tread. You're not eligible for that land. What makes us eligible, even though we are not of Jewish descent, is because God has sent his message to the Gentiles as well. The Gentiles as you and me. He sent his message of grace and reconciliation to us. He died once and for all mankind. I'm so glad of that. So glad of that. But if you haven't given your life over to given your life over to Jesus Christ to appropriate upon your soul and upon your spirit that which God has made available to you through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, then you're in grave danger. And I'm imploring you right now to stop what you're doing and just listen and give your life over to Jesus Christ. He loves you. He loves me. In fact, he so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. He sacrificed his only begotten son in order to have relationship with us. Because he has no fellowship with unholiness. But he said, I'm going to send my holy son. He's going to live a perfect life. I'm doing this because I want to have a relationship with these, my people. Thank you, Father, for what you've done. Thank you for your word. For those of you who haven't given your life over to Jesus Christ, there's a simple thing I need you to do right now. Do not make any delays in this. I need you to first of all understand that Jesus is a man that lived in the flesh just like we did. was tempted and had like passions just like we did. But he sinned not. He lived a perfect life. And then he took, and, he, and, as, and the, as the perfect lamb of God he is, it takes away the sins of the world. He was betrayed by one of his closest disciples. He was charged with a crime which he wasn't guilty. And he was sentenced to death on a cross. On his way to that cross, the Roman soldiers tied him to a whipping post and beat him with a cat and nine tails and all kind of other instruments, tearing his flesh from his body to the point that his body and himself was unrecognizable. Mm-mm-mm. Unrecognizable. Mm. And after he took that beating upon that cross, beating upon the whipping post, he was saddled with a cross and he carried it up to the hill of Calvary. And there on Calvary, his cross was positioned and he was hung upon that cross. And there he hung. And there he hung until he died. 
and he hung and he died for all of our sins. All of our sins were imputed upon his physical body on the whipping post. All of our sins were imputed upon him. And he who knew no sin became sin for us that we may become the righteousness of God through him. The perfect lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Sin was all our sin was imputed upon him and all that sin was nailed to the cross and all that sin was judged on the cross. It was so ugly that the father God himself even turned his head from his own son. So much so that Jesus had to, had to make the declaration, Eli, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And eventually Jesus dies upon that cross and gives up the ghost. In order to check and see if he was dead, a Roman soldier took a spear and pierced him in his side, and out of his side rushed the, the blood and the water. That's a picture of what it took to atone for our sin. The scriptures say that the life of humans and beasts is in the blood. His life was spilled out from his side when they pierced him. His life flowed from him to us. And as a result of his, of his, of his blood flowing from him to us, we were covered. We were covered with his blood. And the water cleansed us. Then, Jesus, after having been in the grave three days, rose from the grave with all power in his hand. He showed himself for 40 days with many infallible proofs unto his disciples. He's saying that he was, I am he who was once dead, but now am alive. Salvation is predicated upon that story, which I just said. If you believe all of that which has happened, which I described, a sinless man being born into the world through a virgin, grew up became a man just like you and me tempted in all points but sin not became sin for us who knew no sin that we may become the righteousness of God all our sin was imputed upon him he was beaten upon a whipping post saddled with a cross took his cross to Calvary hung upon that cross, died for us on that cross, was buried, and then rose again on the third day. If you believe all of that, the word of God says that you are saved. And if you have just made that declaration and say, I believe all of that, I believe in my heart and upon the Lord Jesus, who he is and what he's done. And I confess with my, with, with my mouth that he has rose from the dead. The scriptures say, thou art saved. I welcome you to the family of God.
the family of God as other believers who believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in Jesus Christ. And as a result of them believing in Jesus Christ and me believing in Jesus Christ, because I believe as well, we are the members of the body of Christ. We need to make his name known that wherever we go, wherever place we walk into, wherever the soles of our feet tread, God has given us the land and he's pushing out everything that's not of him. He's pushing it out from before us and putting the fear of us in the land. I'm thankful for you joining us today. I'm thankful for you making the decision that you've made today. I want to seal this, which we've discussed today, just with a prayer. And we'll see you back at the next podcast installment. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for these, your new converts and children that have given their lives over to you on this day. Thank you for your word being made flesh and dwelling among us. Thank you for guiding us by way of your Holy Spirit into all truth and understanding. Thank you for all that you've done for us, God. We aim to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for all things. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Decree and declare and ask it all. Amen.